Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd. And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created The, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club, but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along and share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank Thank you for reading with us. We We like reading with you. This week's book guest is... High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. What's it about? Well, it follows the story of hapless Rob, a 30-something record shop owner who's just been dumped and is trying to work out why women don't want to be with him and whose fault that is. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, everything from the 90s seems really weird looking back. In this episode, we discuss... Obsession. Music. Lads mags. Red flags. Author's intention. And toxic masculinity. And joining us this week is Nikesh Shukla. Nikesh is actually Dr. Dr. Nikesh Shukla, author and screenwriter and editor. His books include Coconut Unlimited, The One Who Wrote Destiny, Meat Space, The Boxer, Brown Baby, and he is the editor of The Good Immigrant, a collection of essays published in 2016. You can find Nikesh on Instagram at Nikesh Shukla Writer, and his new kid's book, The Council of Good Friends, is available right now. Trigger warning, in this episode we discuss sexual assault and racism. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to you, Nikesh. Doctor. Doctor Nikesh Shukla. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for addressing me correctly. Did you get your own doctorate or was it honorary? It made it sound like you you bought it. No, honorary. Oh, I see. I I have two honorary doctorates, which I feel like all the people who have PhDs who told me that an honorary doctorate isn't a real doctorate, I've got two. Oh, yeah. Two honorary doctorates. They're definitely 0.5 of a doctorate. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Two honorary it. ones. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We're yes, very excited. Very excited. This week we're talking about High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. And I just want to jump in sure. <laughs> and interrupt you. you interrupt my as, want. I, as I literally introduce the book. This is the first time <laughs> yep. that the guest has chosen yes. the book. Normally we kind of give a list and we're like, what one would you like to or read? Or just tell them. Yeah, yeah. You have I'm, to read it. Well, you know, you, it's because I'm a doctor. I'm yes. <laughs> authority. Yeah, authority, we did. Yeah, you yeah. said it. So, yeah, we want to know, why did you choose this book? Yeah. Nikesh? Mostly because I 
reread it recently. Yeah, that's okay. a good reason. <laughs> but do you think it's relevant to sort of the weirdo ethos? Yeah, I, I, I've, I have a lot of thoughts about this book, and I, I, I confess I misremembered this book. Ooh, that does I think, happen. I think that's common. We change, the world changes, yeah, and the book stays the same. Every book we've done that has, like that we had read ten years, fifteen years ago, anything the, older show. than a month is out yeah. of date. But we've we've come back to a book and gone, wow, that. I don't remember those bits in the book being offensive. Oh, okay. Well, there, there's some awful stuff in the book mm-hmm. and there's yes. some really questionable stuff. In the book. But the thing that I think I'd misremembered about the book is I think there's a certain type of satire or comedy where the audience that it's satirizing doesn't get that they are the joke. Yes. And I, I feel like Al Murray's pub landlord mm. suffered from this or finance bros who watch the wolf of wall street and they think it's like a lifestyle documentary (laughs) and high fidelity i read it at look in my early 20s when record shops were not cool and records were affordable and i really loved it when i read it but then so much of what followed was loads of men not realizing how scathing it is about men it's really scathing Mm. and I, i think i that's the bit that i'd misremembered that He's not a hero. He's an mm. awful, awful person. He's a very unlikable character. All the way throughout. And I think I just, I think because, you know, John Cusack plays him in the film. Well, this is it. I was going to say, I think the film came out, which I saw before I read the book. I remember going to see it. And he he's played as a cool loser. I mean, that's John yeah. Cusack's career. And he's, he's <laughs> cool loser. Cool loser. And he's, he's cool and he's funny and he's attractive and he's sort of a loser, but you sort of love him for it. But it's definitely of that friends era where men were kind of shitty but that's men right men behaving badly like happening comedy in this country that time and I agree with you it became that this book was definitely not a comment it was like hey record guys are kind of funny right rather than and and that's evolved so far that now that awful man most recently was played in a tv production by the most beautiful woman in the world yes yes they redid it as a television show made it because that's how you would make him likable yes you have to go all the way way to make it incredibly exquisitely beautiful woman yeah and and what's interesting about that because this this is why i decided to reread it i was re-watching the tv show and i was talking to nish kumar about that show and a thing that he said that I thought was really interesting was he said it's funny that the book and in the book and in the film the space of a record shop is like it's a a space for outsiders and it's a space Mm. for for weirdos and now it's sort of it's come back around and it's seen as a very cool space but I thought it was interesting that 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 space that was for me like a difficult space where I was desperate to be liked and seen in those Mm. spaces but it's full of men who know a lot about Prince yeah. <laughs> and they take, you know, one of the world's sexiest, funkiest artists and they make him so fucking dull. Well, also it's snobbery. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I don't know about music. As a but, conscious choice, as the daughter of a jazz musician, Sarah has rejected but Because music. I don't like snobbery so much. Yeah. So one third of this book to me mm. could be Greek. <laughs> there are so many yeah, the names of bands and names of singers and the only time I'd ever heard of them was when he was listening to people he didn't like. So I'd be like, okay, Tina Turner. Okay. <laughs> okay. Doesn't like, oh, no, no. For some one. reason, he doesn't like Tina yeah, Turner yeah, yeah. or people who like Tina Turner. And I would like this man not to like me because I appreciate yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things that he doesn't. Yeah. So the music snobbery in general, that's the. And I know that, as you say, he's uh, satirizing those people, not very generously, but you still have to spend a lot of time yeah. with one. Mm. Yeah. 
in his head, hearing his unrelenting point of view. And I don't, I, I'd, I'm interested about the satire because I think as a woman reading this now, he's so unlikable. Yes. That any charm he had late 90s, early 2000s is gone. And he is at times sexually assaulting someone. Yeah. Mm. It's dealt with so flippantly mm. in a way that's really shocking to read that, that back in that time, it was like, oh, oh, well, that happened with that girl. I don't think Rob gets enough shit. I think Rob gives out a lot of shit. And I think you definitely get the sense of like, you know, this like, oh, he's runs a record shop and he's a loser. But that the reason that an audience can go, yeah, that's me. Because Rob doesn't get enough criticism sometimes for yeah. the things he's doing and saying. I felt like I was reading... Lads mag after lads mag. Yeah. Like nuts, Maxim, yeah. nuts again, yeah. FHM, because of the tone of the comedy. He has this thing about women's pants. Oh God, yeah. And I was reading it like I would feel if I was watching a stand-up doing this routine, going, I know you're joking because you think this is funny. I also think he believes it. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm, I am I agree with you. That's what I mean about the yeah. satire. It's like, he doesn't quite satire it so far that you think, oh yes, the author is making a point. So he right. says he's complaining about how Women's knickers aren't exciting enough. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard not to throw a book across the room <laughs> <laughs> when you're reading this. I have never really recovered from the shock of discovering that women do what we do. Well, be human beings. They save their best pairs for the nights when they know you're going to sleep with somebody. When you live with a woman, these faded, shrunken, tatty M&S scraps suddenly appear on radiators all over the house. What women are told growing up, do you, I don't know if you remember this from women's magazines. Yes. We were told, don't worry about your pants. All men are interested in what, what's underneath. Yeah, what's in your pants. They don't care what you're wearing. Which is also really also bad. Also awful. Also, thanks, Sugar, Ms. Moore, Just yeah, Dean. Yeah. So I'm just drawn to, again, when he's talking about women. And this is, again, page eight. He says, um, he's talking about foreplay and how, <laughs> yeah. again, it's such like 90s stand-up routines. He's yeah. like, oh... Well, men are supposed to be bad at foreplay. That's because when we were teenagers, like no woman let us do it. And now they all want foreplay. And he says, the perfect match, if you ask me, is between the Cosmo woman and the 14-year-old boy. (laughs) And I read that and I was like, like, wow, like how times have changed that he can casually write a 30-year-old woman should have sex with a 14-year-old boy. That's their their match. The bit that I really thought was fascinating about that in terms of a male author, he has this thing about foreplay. And it was a, it was such a. I really wish you'd got proofread by a woman mm. because a sensitivity read, sensitivity a woman. read. Because he says that this thing about you know these girls pushing hands away, not wanting foreplay. Mm. Why don't they want to let themselves be aroused? Or, mm. or um, you know, they don't want their erogenous zones touched. And it was such a male understanding of the female body. Yeah. Because. I really wanted to explain to him that you'd have to be aroused to want to have those places touched. Yeah, like you're already in yes. the wrong place. Yeah, Them being <laughs> touched when you're that, not aroused. It'll be fine. Yes. Why don't you want to enjoy this? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, that those women aren't, they aren't pushing his hand away because they don't want to allow themselves pleasure. It's because it won't be pleasurable to them. I've never felt more like a grumpy feminist, as he described the people in the book. that he hates. The paranoid yes. feminist. Yeah, he goes through his exes at the beginning. The character Rob has been broken up with by a serious relationships. He, at the beginning of the book, he goes back to like every lost love and the one that really got me was was penny mm. which is treated so flippantly that he was a teenage boy he tried to force penny to have sex and she got really upset and then the next week she one of the boys at school was like oh i've nobbed her and as a girl reading that who's mm. been a teenage girl i was like i know from page 10 why penny did that because you broke her heart and you made her feel frigid and you made her feel 
like disgusting. Mm. But reading Rob having no idea what he did at page 10 and then yeah. being expected to have any sympathy for him after that, I was like, I I am still Penny's friend yeah. who had to deal with Penny writing poetry about you, self-harming, crying, like years of discussion about what you were doing. And then your life is is sort of fine. And like, yeah. I found that really, that's for me, that gulf between 1995 and now is that like, that was funny then. It was a funny story that like, oh, one of my exes like wouldn't sleep with me and then wouldn't sleep with someone else straight away. And I should say, I mean, this is all just such downers, but then when Penny is brought back. Oh, the d- way Penny is dealt with at the end, I found really difficult. Really, really difficult. But, it, but, it, but then maybe this is the difficulty of comedy in general, because I should say the reason this is so hard for us is because Nick Hornby is really good at what he's doing. Yeah, he's a brilliant writer. It's, I like yeah. the book. Is so, good. So, so our criticisms are not criticisms of Nick Hornby. No, and, and I have to say, this book is really effective at what it's doing. I enjoyed reading it. In terms of rereading it, yeah, did you find these moments? Well, you as triggered as we were, <laughs> clearly were, yeah. Well, I, I guess one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is this thing that's sort of happening in in culture at the mm. moment, where we're kind of culture is reinterpreting the nineties, mm. yeah, or things that you know, watching the the Beckham documentary yes, and yeah. understanding. Well, I, I I don't remember the too posh to push headline, yeah. but oh, I do, yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah. But um, sort of seeing that recontextualized properly. And and thinking about that, and then thinking about you know people like Andrew Tate mm. and how Andrew Tate has this very persuasive message in boys' schools. I, I do a lot of school events, and I go and talk in boys' schools, and his name comes up quite a lot. And so I've been thinking about what how being a man was defined when I was yeah, growing yeah. up. And so and when I read it, I thought, well, this is fun. This is funny. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think reading it now, reading it in my early forties. I, I spend the whole time just going, this is awful, mm. but I feel like Nick Hornby knows this is awful. Mm. And I and I do agree that Rob does not get enough of a comeuppance. He doesn't get enough of enough yeah. shit. And actually just rereading it was like this is so much about the power of who gets to tell the story. Yeah. Because you tell the story of Penny from her perspective and it's a completely different story. Even, you know, the way he stalked Charlie. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that is dealt with. It's like and, sort of funny. And then he lies to her later on when she's like, you're not having one of those like oh, moments yes. where you need all of the women in your life who are so yeah. important to you to make you feel better about yourself years later. And he goes, no, 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 it's mm-hmm. fine. And then it's a, that's exactly what he's doing. Mm. And so if, if it felt to me rereading it, like Hornby, no, I, I want to believe he knows this is an awful person. And I, I guess just part of me just wishes I'd sort of seen how, toxic it was at the time i completely yeah i completely agree that i you know read it watched the film thought he was a charming funny great guy also not just who gets to tell the story because actually you are allowed to be completely authored and Mm. completely immersed and that person does think they're right because we all do in our own heads and that's where we're spending our time but actually the unhappiness of people i guess we would now use the word like privileged Mm. He's but so the, privileged and the, he's so depressed. <laughs> yeah, and and their unhappiness has to make them forgive them. But I think that's also changed. Yes. Now we go, I, do you know what I kept wanted to do? This is my, go for a run. Get some, <laughs> get some endorphins. I kept yeah. thinking, it's never exercising. I wanted him to get out. I'll do a hot yoga class, man. Men in literature who need therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no therapy. Sort him right out. I kept thinking, do the work. 
Mm. We, we don't allow people anymore well, to just, just do any work. Just do a little bit of work, and then I'll be like, "Yes, you do deserve your girlfriend to come back." Mm. There's, I mean, there's a real lack of self awareness, even when the girlfriend does come back. Because, and I don't think it's a spoiler because this book has been around so long. But like, and her, I don't think we're encouraging <laughs> anyone to read it. <laughs> no, I think it's rather um, when her dad dies. So she's gone off with someone else. She seems to be having a great time in his mind, and he's only obsessed with the sex she's having. He doesn't seem to miss. Yeah her he only is upset that she might be having better sex but that sex. is a satire on men that yeah. the penis size thing and that is but him it makes doing... you hate rob so much yeah. and then her dad dies and she kind of ends up realizing maybe she does actually like rob and she kind of would like to get back together with him but even when even at the funeral he's kind but of she's still she, playing his she doesn't selfish... like him she says she's too tired yeah it's it's, it's an act of defeat yeah. that is clearly there but it's it's so that funny point. to me because it rem- it really reminded me of Men Behaving Badly. Yeah. When you think back to that show, it's two men who are dating two women who essentially are their mums. Like that is the job of the female characters. They come in, they tell them off, they tidy up. They are mums that they're sleeping with. It's so weird that that was so successful. And again, with this <laughs> book, like Rob's behaviour in 1995 was normal. It was normal. Well, but, but I think this is part of the reason I found it so interesting reading it Yes, now. yeah. Because it is so normal and that awful behaviour is probably so recognisable for a lot of people. But what I think is interesting is a lot of people would have read it and gone, huh, just like me rather than, oh, just like me. Or as as a a woman, that's what men are like. Whereas lots of men aren't. So probably some of my sexism is that that's what all men are thinking about. I I projected a lot of negativity about men, assumptions, the things that that were from a male perspective that I consumed were men behaving badly and high fidelity. So not that we talk a lot about the battle men are having, (laughs) (laughs) but when you talk about toxic masculinity, some of that is inherited and people are fighting to be individuals within it. It's funny, isn't it? Because Rob is trying to differentiate himself from the bros at his school who just sleep around. But he differentiates himself by being like, yeah, but I like music. That's like it. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, I'm still I'm still trying to have sex with every woman I know, but I like music. So it's it's sort of like a timepiece about how the, the, the dominant male at the time was the, the jock. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, you know, if you were a sort of air quotes sensitive guy who liked the arts, then mm. you were just one of the nice guys. But, you know, the nice guys are just as fucking awful as yeah. the yeah. jocks were. And, and that's it. He was seen as a better character than a jock character yeah. because he's in, he has a record store, guys. So he's sensitive. And and it and it's a place where all the weirdos, the sort of the mm. outsiders, kind of congregate, who are all just as awful as him, if not in some cases worse. worse. That and, that his the guy who works there, Dick, who gets that girlfriend, and they have that awful conversation where Dick literally tells her, "No, no, one day you'll understand. This is the music you have to like." Yeah. and that's left. But they, there's, like, there's an element that they they all do that with female partners. Yeah, is they're trying to instruct, like, you know, mixtapes. Yeah, this is what you should like. Yeah. yeah, and to be and that the idea that you're supposed to be embarrassed about what you like. We read this book straight after Claire Dedera's Monsters, which ends really beautifully, which is about mm. you can't help what you love. In terms of culture, certain things speak to you musically, uh, cinematically, and especially books, and they're incredibly personal. And just like loving people, that's it. You know, the, the creators are often flawed, but you love them. So to read that, which is like, you just like what you like, and then Nick Hornby be like, you like this, you're a dick. <laughs> what <laughs> idiot. It, but there's a quote in it that it's not what you're like, it's what you like. Yeah, yeah. Is awful. Okay, but here's a question: Do would you still look at someone's bookshelves if you went round their house? The kids don't read, do they? Because I'm looking for my book. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) your first thing is to do have my book. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I've been thinking a lot about how to write men mm. and how to write a version of a man that feels like what I need, what I need to read and what the default of the, of man is. And this type of mail was so ubiquitous mm. in the nineties. And I sort of read it now kind of feeling sad for my late teen self. Cause I wanted to be that guy. Mm. And I want, I would go yeah. to Mr. Bongo's on Saturday and like nod with appreciation at the one record I was buying or whatever. And I, I'm, I'm rereading a lot of books at the moment or reading books that have passed me by. And so I went from reading High Fidelity to reading Love in the Time of Cholera, oh, which yeah. I've wow. never read before. Mm. And it's amazing. But also the men in that are fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the poor heroine of the novel, like she's just surrounded by men who dictate her life for her and wear her down. And it's all about attrition in a way that, I, you know, when you were talking about how he, he wears... Um, Laura down. Yeah. The American singer who he... Oh, that's Maria, hilarious. That she did. sleeps with him and is because, totally because fine he, with it. Because he blanks her three times. Yeah. He kept walking away rudely. Yeah. And that was seduction. Yeah. And then also he has a one night stand with her and then she's cool with that. She doesn't need anything else. And she then meets his girlfriend and is like, don't worry, buddy, I got your back. I'm not going to say anything. I was like, that is a in terms of that doesn't like, exist. In terms of like... The, yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of like the ubiquitous, this is the default. Yeah version of this it feels very real i think but she is not a real character. yeah she's not real so that's the one where you're like and she's friends with the guys from the record store even though they are obviously losers but this also adds to people's uh I want to, i'm not gonna say depression i'll say dissatisfaction with their lives mm. so what you have is people having normal lives where people behave typically and then you have works of fiction that tell them there will be other people that would behave a different way so the yeah. problem with like the manic Manic pixie dream girl. Manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> that they would meet girls like that who would fancy them. And they won't. Yeah. And they that, don't exist. They're not real. Yeah. It's not real. Leads real people to go, oh, other people are having a better life than me. Yes. Rather than I need to put myself out there or behave slightly differently or be vulnerable. Yeah. Or, but he but, is but a that- he is a manic pixie dream boy. <laughs> like Rob is the, the equivalent of like, I'm just a guy that likes records, doesn't know what I'm doing in my life, just waiting for a, a gal to tidy me up and tell me what to do. Like it's ex- like it's the same genre. Mm. And it's quite, I guess it's quite fairy tale-ish, isn't it? It's like, but what's weird about it, I guess for our generation is you don't realise what's wrong with your generation till 20 years on. Yeah. So we could look at 1950s dad and be like, oh, look at oh, him yeah. with his suit and tie and his uh, not mm. able to express any emotions. That's what's wrong. But the man we grew up with, we're like, no, that's normal. 
awful. Mm. And now we're in 2023, we look back and go, what the fuck did we grow up in? That was awful. And you understand what your parents went through or your you know, grandparents went through of like, yeah, no one knows what's wrong with their generation until you've walked past it and gone, sorry guys, sorry about that. I'm really interested in terms of the men that you're trying to write or should be writing. Yeah. So what are they like? <laughs> yeah. They're just nice guys. <laughs> They're really into music. <laughs> well, so um, I think this sort of thinking about how men are written, just I've been thinking about, I guess, as a writer, how how, how do I make a difference? You know, mm. I started writing YA and I, I wrote a, a YA book called The Boxer which is inspired by a thing that happened to me when I was touring The Good Immigrant. I was nearly attacked on a train and I was really scared. Mm. And so I took up boxing after it. And I wrote a book called The Boxer, which is sort of imagines what would have what would have it been like if I had been a teenager who'd been attacked in a racially aggravated assault and taken up boxing. Mm. And I did loads and loads of school events. And I would talk about the incident that happened to me. I'm really sorry that happened. like, I was about to say thank you, but I don't know why, <laughs> no, like no, it just didn't want to gloss over like that. No, but that's also, really Sarah, shit. you shouldn't have done it. No, <laughs> you shouldn't. No, have I'm, done I'm it. sorry. But yeah. what I noticed when I was sort of doing this talk because I, I purposely made it as vulnerable as possible, mm. so I could, you know, being a, a, an Asian male talking like in schools where teenage boys are, are the first, you know, they stop reading for pleasure before girls yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you write fiction that resonates with boys? And how do you write fiction that ha- is punchy, for want of a better mm. word, um, but sort of says something? And so, and I just noticed that the box really resonated with reluctant boy readers. Teachers and librarians were always recommending it. And whenever I talked about it in schools and I did this talk about the vulnerability I felt, just the scaredness I felt like walking around my streets or in the train station mm. that I go to most days, like the one that I came to today, and you just tell that like two or three boys in a room full of 180 students, it sort of it just moved the needle for them just by a millimetre. And so I've just been thinking, how do I continue to do that? For the first time, they hear an adult talking about something that's their experience. Yeah. And being vulnerable. Is that what yeah. you mean as well? Yeah. Like allowed to be vulnerable. And yeah. And then touring that book going into lockdown, over lockdown, I started like an, an informal movie club with Nish Kumar, um, Musa Okwanga, Inwa Elams, and Vinay Patel, lovely, lovely guys. And we'd watch a movie every Sunday. And then afterwards, we'd talk about the movie for five minutes. And then we'd just like talk about how sad and scared we were. And oh, wow. it was like a really yeah. nice, vulnerable space. And I thought we all expressed this at some point or another. God, it would have been really nice to have friends like this when, when we were that mm, age. Yeah. And I did have that friend. And I really remember like my best friend when I was at school, a kid called Anand. When, he, when I was 13, he moved to America and I, it just devastated me. I lost all of my confidence. Mm. I just like, he was just my confidence. Like when I was with him, I just felt unbeatable. Yeah. And, you know, we're still great friends thanks to the internet and I see him every couple of years now. But I just really remember that dip in confidence. So I did have that. And so I thought, well, how can I do something with all of this stuff? And so I created this kids book series called the council of good friends where i thought i'm gonna honor nish and musa and yeah. and vinay because there aren't that many kids books that have kids called nish or musa or yeah. vinay or Inwa. so i named characters after all of them and a character after me also celebrating male friendship that's yeah. about intimacy yeah and so and, and it's is so rare like i as a <laughs> sorry i'm gonna sound like a hashtag as a mother of sons <laughs> Oh, she can understand. Uh, yeah. the, the myriad of things I don't feel qualified to do and that I am looking already for resources mm. and it is 
how do I make sure their lives I'm not crying <laughs> it's <laughs> okay to be vulnerable their lives are, are in, enriched and wonderful I don't want to project on yeah. like well, also you yeah, don't if wanna, you don't play you, sport with them you don't want to I don't know what you would do like, so the point of the book is that mm-hmm. they're like a shenanigan happens and they all rub each other up the wrong way because boys do but shenanigans I am going to cry <laughs> <laughs> But they, yeah. they have the emotional language to talk to each other when they've upset each other. They can be vulnerable in front of each other. They can be honest. She's gonna so go. Great. They this can so make great. make fun of each other. And it, but the the way to do that is make it really funny because otherwise mm. it just becomes very didactic. And, yeah, of course. And all the yeah. rest of it. And and so I have very limited skills. I'm quite useless in the grand scheme of things. But I feel like if the boxer was having that impact with teenage boys like 13 to mm. 16, which is like a difficult age for teenage yeah. boys, then maybe if I go a bit younger, then maybe presenting the council of good friends and you know it will be a series maybe we can get to a point where i know these kids are able to talk to each other and they don't need a person like andrew tate like i don't want boys to to either end up like rob from high fidelity or like andrew tate it's interesting you talk about andrew tate isn't it because we're talking about oh lad culture that we all grew up with and that man being like that's ridiculous and now we have Andrew Day, who's, who's so much worse than Rob well, Fleming. You take much the, worse than Rob that's Fleming. It. So if you take this Penny situation, oh my god, which is he's, in, he's, in, he's, implicit sexual assault, and he's very and then, insensitive yeah. and un, he's un, he's completely lacking in self awareness. Yeah. Rob, it's unempathetic. Yes, but Andrew Tate is explicitly yeah. saying that's what she women deserved. aren't real people. Yeah. So it's mad to for us to sit here and go, God, that was awful. We grew up with that, and yet the kids that you're talking to in school are, are dealing with a worse. They don't. It's not even like. Ugh, men we know what they're like it's like men are can be dangerous this is dangerous and i think what you're and also that it hasn't gone away i guess it's mutated yeah it was mutated to su- to something more extreme which i think us growing up would have we felt like it was already quite extreme yeah and it's actually because we're having those conversations and saying oh you know that's not okay penny has feelings it's like then the edges of that opinion get have to go further away to to make their point and that's what i thought with with rob to come back is that he doesn't have any vulnerability. No. And what you're talking about is so beautiful and the Council of Good Friends sounds so, so lovely. But I, I think the the only mo- moment of vulnerability that he does have when he finds out that she's going out with the old neighbour yeah. and he's worried that, that he's fucking her better than yeah. he could have ever yeah. done. Mm. And that's the moment he feels most vulnerable. Yeah. And because, he does feel really vulnerable and he expects you as a reader to kind of, come on, you know what it's like. Like, I don't know what sex she's having. It could but, be really good sex. But the, I guess the, the weird the weird thing about reading it as a 43-year-old is I read it and was like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah, what is yeah. wrong with you? I think the other moment of vulnerability, although we might not recognise it as such, is he doesn't have friends. He's got no one to come to his birthday. Yeah, that is so oh, sad. Yeah. He goes to his parents who have a better life than him. He's been so horrible about it. And he's them. so mean to them, even though he is his dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's so mean to his and dad. And then he goes home and he watches a couple of VHSs. Yeah, it seems really sad. And then he has to essentially bribe a couple yeah. of friends to come out who aren't real friends who he then criticises. So he does need a council of good friends. It's like, yeah. friends save you. They are the people who can say, that's a bit that, or you shouldn't do this, or mm. have you considered this other person's point of she, view? And she does say that, doesn't she? I think, I think actually, I, I did like the character of Laura. I thought she was very believable. When she criticises him, she's not like, oh, you're an arsehole. She's like, I've changed and you just have stayed the same. Like, yeah. and I do have new friends, and that I really enjoyed that when he those friends that he's refused to visit because he assumes they'll be arseholes. and then when he goes to meet them, like they put the kids fine. to bed and yeah. they're just like nice people, and he has a nice evening where people don't mention records, and then he sees their record collection, is like, oh shit, yeah. they are people I should hate. Oh my god, I don't, I don't hate them. And yet his his only friends 
they're just all in a competitive relationship. Yeah. And reading those scenes again, like, and I don't know why I maybe didn't acknowledge this at the time, but those friendships, they used to make me feel so anxious yeah, all the time. Yeah, you can like, tell, like, they, they're not happy. The record shop is a terrible place to this, work. Yeah. This, this <laughs> HR is, need to get involved. This is why it took me until, like, t- 2008 to finally admit I'd never seen With Nell and I, and maybe I should watch it. And yeah. I did, and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's absolutely fine that you hadn't watched it. Like, no, that's it was, fine. it was... Oh, it was bad that I hadn't watched it in 1997. <laughs> oh it? my God, I can't believe you haven't seen With Now. I don't know, Nikesh, if you do this in your real life, so please don't be offended. People who list favourite things. Oh, the top list, five, top, top tens. Do you but do that? But this book is very of its top... Like, I feel like this book started that trend. <laughs> but, but, okay, so here, here's the thing about that that I was thinking rereading it was... And this is where I think it plays into that I think people missed that this was... Satire. Yeah, is... It spawned a lot of top fives and top tens. Yeah. And maybe, I'm, I'm not saying it mm. created the BuzzFeed listicle, but it's not far off. Guys. It's not far off. It's definitely the but, birth of it. Was it really? But, but when yeah. I read it, I was like, these are these are avoidant men who can't talk about their feelings. Yeah. So this is what my ex-boyfriend used to do. Yeah. That he, he would have considered this what you do in pubs. You sit down, you get your pint, your friend sits opposite you, and you throw at each other topics. Yeah. And you create lists, and then you argue about each other's list. Yeah. And that's connection. But that's their emotional connection. <laughs> Which I think for me and you, who sit in, in a pub facing each other and be like, I need to tell you every single thought in my heart. It, it's not just it's that. Very hard it's not because I think I have better conversations. because I think it's so disrespectful to the people who make stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Who it, made you it, in it charge? It happens in Edinburgh sometimes. Actually, no, it happens even before Edinburgh. They go, top 10 things to see in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I just don't think that's how things are valued. Yeah. But you have a deep respect for the artist. I do have a deep respect for the artist. No, but so, you know, there'll be like the Booker Prize. You're annoyed with the book. No, but how on earth could you pick out of the amazing, how different books are? Yeah, any form of has more worth yeah. or value? And I guess that's what they, they find fun. And I find really, I, I'm, the, I'm the teacher saying everyone won. Yeah. All the <laughs> books won this year because everyone finished their book. Everyone did it. And they all offer something. All of them will be someone's favourite book. What a wonderful time to be alive. One other thing I want to get back to is just to mention it just because I think people should be aware is there is a lot of fat shaming oh yes I was really shocked at the level of fat shaming which again I think is very 90s and yeah. like just the and way also, he talks about that's what bad people think so any, but even remote like he describes he even uses the phrase oh she opened the door she was nice she was round you know not really round not Dawn French round and I was like at the time Dawn French was an incredibly successful brilliant comedian imagine being referenced in a book at the time as like that's the way I'm telling you that character is so go back to what Nikesh says about like the, the Beckham documentary I think that's what oddly we're now having these blinkers taken yeah. off to us about how the media talks about famous people yeah and so we thought that was okay yeah. and that they weren't human beings I know and I fa- there's another bit which really shocked me where he said he's talking about weight and he says, oh, well, you know, c- come on, women, basically. Like, um, we w- we wouldn't want to have sex with Hattie Jakes just like you wouldn't want to have sex with Bernard Manning. That made me want to throw the book. I don't but, know who Hattie Jakes but is. Hattie Jakes <laughs> is beautiful. Okay. But it, it, ma- it makes me think that I, I wonder what the reaction to the high fidelity vibe would have been like if he wasn't played by John Cusack in the film. And yes. He was, he was played by, like, Dwight Schrute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, because, that, who because does you, really run a record shop yeah who yeah. does really run, run a record shop in the mid 90s yeah. you know and there's something about the fact that 
John Cusack's cool and attractive and charming. So attractive. But the one thing I, I felt conflicted about was how much I enjoyed reading it. And I know it's a weird thing to say after all the criticism. I looked forward to picking it up. When I got it out of my bag on the tube, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's such a good writer that despite everything I have said, I feel a bit bad because he's I a feel, brilliant writer. I, I feel a bit bad as well. And I, and I feel like it's not pushing back about the quality of a piece no, of work. No, that's me. He's, he's a his, his control as an author, as well as his humour, I, I, yeah. I do I do think it's interesting that I guess my reaction to reading it as as a man in his 40s was this guy thinks that this main character and everyone in his world are utter pricks mm. and is very scathing about them and you guys had a very different reaction mm. and, I, and I, I thought I thought that was really interesting there's a bunch of stuff in the book that is definitely of its time and very time capsule but the thing that sort of fascinated me about that depiction of a male is I guess I felt like he was deconstructing the nice guy that we're all supposed to think is mm. a nice swell guy. And actually, yeah. he's awful. Well, maybe that's it. That's why I find it so comfortable. So I wrote down, I prefer Hannibal to <laughs> this guy, Rob. And I had to deal with that. Why do I, I prefer... Down, is he a psychopath? This man is solid red flag. He is a bad man. <laughs> what is happening? Man. But I think it's such a well-drawn version of yeah. that man. The reason I prefer Hannibal is I'm not going to accidentally go on a date with Hannibal. Yeah. He's not going to turn up in a bar. He's not going to mm. DM me and I'm going to be That's really interesting about our, our reactions. Like, we've had to date that man. Yeah. So it's yeah. really triggering and, for and us. I've, and I've wanted to be seen as cool by that man. Yeah. You wanted him to be your friend. We had friend. to wake oh up God. to him and have him list his five no, favourite Have records. him reject us because we've got cellulite. Oh, like, my that kind God. Or well, we didn't want to have sex with him immediately. Pants are too grey. It's so visceral for me. Remember little. being in my early 20s and being told off by men for not knowing things yeah. that you now think, why would, why would I have What do you mean that? you gave up? I mean, you gave up on David Foster Wallace. <laughs> Go my, back. Go my, home right my now. My favourite tweet ever is a woman who tweets and she says, my favourite thing to do is to pretend that I don't know who David Foster Wallace is. <laughs> and then men just keep tweeting her going, no, no, he's right. She's like, I've never heard of him. <laughs> and they go, no, no, you've, you've really got, she goes, I don't know who, I think, I don't think you're getting confused with someone else. Just act like he never existed. And I was yeah, like, yeah. that's really enjoyable. But yeah. I think you're right. It's really interesting because we all know that man and we've yeah. all had different reactions to that man. And I think I was just so upset about Penny. And I found it, and I was annoyed at myself as well. I was like, oh, I wish I could get past this Penny thing and well, just enjoy it. this If we book. weren't reading for this podcast, I would have stopped. I would yeah, have stopped so I was on. really shocked. I and mean, I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I didn't because I did actually enjoy the rest of it. Can I ask yeah. a question? Yeah. When, what is it, when, when you're reading a book that is told from, a narrator's perspective and they mm. are an awful p- person and you're sort of oh this is mm. this is delicious what what is it about those, those books because the writer tells you why first of all meet them have your reaction and then a writer lets you in and you go there's a moment in the american office where you see uh, a clip of uh, michael scott on a children's tv oh, show yeah. when he's a God, child so and, it's, and, and and all the other people have brought <laughs> children into the office which is something michael doesn't have he has you know he's got his arrested development he's not yet an adult and it's a child saying that he wants to have a wife and lots of children because then oh. he'd have lots of friends and no yeah. one could say they didn't want to be his friend and it's at that point that the office goes from being quite good to for me yeah, beautiful, blind, beautiful yeah beautiful because we are laughing but we also absolutely forgive him yeah because but i wonder if that's quite sweet it's interesting because the, yeah. the british office doesn't do that mm. the american office constantly delivers heart and this is a very british feeling yes, novel yes. well and, his, and his I, big revelation at the end is 
why do I keep doing this again and again? Yeah, and again? even at the very and end, it, he tries to have another of her. And, and it's not even that deep. No, a realization. I and needed more when I, I when yeah, you, that, to answer I, your question, I want my I want my narrator to to get vulnerable and to understand why he's behaved like that. Yeah. and I just felt like he never gave me, and he was like, hm, "That's enough." But yeah, you kind of you kind of assume that he and Nora last another six months. Oh, well, do you? Well, I his, don't. They his, get married. His explanation. They well, get married and have kids I, I and she like, does all the tidying. <laughs> like, that's what it's so to me. I know women who've married that guy. But when she, she says to him, she has, you know, the slight awareness to say, you were just about to make this mixtape. I know what that means, yeah. you know. You just fancied someone. How? Why do you think marriage will stop that? And he has this really unthought through logic yeah once he's made a commitment that will be the reason he yes yeah, it's terrible it's a terrible reason a, to get he married needs a contract and i just wonder if anyone actually believes themselves mm. like, oh i've cheated in this relationship but i won't want to be married because you're not supposed to i've definitely promised that's also for me what i found sad i was like they definitely get married he definitely has an affair and they definitely have kids and they get divorced when the kids are about eight and ten like that's what I could see Laura's future. Mm. And I'm friends with Laura. <laughs> I'm not friends. I have to listen. I'm the one in like my perspective, this I'm the one who has to listen about all the stuff Rob's done. And I'm spending the whole time going, but we knew this before you married him. And he mentions what Laura earns a lot. Yeah, she's an important lawyer. But it's, but it's always sort of 45, 50 grand a year. Used to be earning 20. Uh, he's he's we're told a lot how And, much and it's earns. always very angry as well. Yes. I yeah, think he's that, angry that, that a woman th- earns more than him. This is the thing that like, that I, I hadn't, seen the first mm. time that i read it is he's fucking angry mm. he's so angry with everyone yeah and it's mostly because he needs a therapist to help him understand well, that he's really angry with himself for being about yeah. such a knob yeah he's hateful, hateful about both about his, his parents and his lo- his childhood right from that first phone call and also I, I the other thing i did find hard was like yeah his reaction to death and grief yeah here i go that he's never it's when you get that bit and you he's basically never really had anything really bad happen to him yeah and that's who we would now call oh my gosh you're so i thought you might like accused of being so privileged oh i liked because he said uh (laughs) he has a very brief conversation with liz about the fact that she lost her father oh he's terrible and then and then he says i'm only going to be friends with people whose parents have died because it's the most that's the deepest conversation he's ever had i put can I put one of my notes? The privilege of his life. No grief. His own shop. His own choices. He has never known sadness <laughs> until she dumps him. That should have been the advert for the, <laughs> for the film. <laughs> but you know what? Like I, I said, I will say, I, I think it's worth a reread. I did enjoy it. I thought it was a really interesting timepiece to go back. And also, as you said, it's not like now is perfect. Like we're not dealing with and now men are great and we give them space and it's okay. To, now they're angry. Now he would go to the internet and find Andrew Tate. And Andrew Tate would tell me, you're right to be angry. Laura is a bitch. So like maybe 1995 was better than we thought. Yeah, he's, he's got discogs.com forum yeah. written all over. Yeah, that's it. Because that's it. That's what used to happen is men, teenagers, young men who felt that they weren't connecting, straight men who weren't connect, connecting with women used to have the music. robs, yeah, the robs yeah. of this world and the music. And now they have the internet, which tells them that women are wrong to be. I think, I think my biggest lesson actually with this book is that uh, yeah, I was a teenage girl. I thought things about men. I sort of worked out via reading other people's work mm. and, you know, what was wrong. And then I thought we'd solved it and yeah. I'd ignored everything else happening since. Yeah. We never... It's Just because con- you've you've worked it out. Yeah, it's yeah. a constant evolution as well. Mm. The, like the, the arrogance of every generation that thinks this is how men shall be. Like people be reading stuff written in 2023 in 20 years being like, God, I can't yeah. believe they thought that was progressive. And also as, as Nikesh, as you've said... 
it's not getting back to teenagers. So 40-year-olds being like, we're sorted with this now. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean anything's changed in the playground. <laughs> meanwhile, all those 40-year-old men are saying, well, as a father of daughters. As <laughs> a father of daughters, I know. I do actually care because yeah. I've got a, a woman in the house now. Not the one I'm married to, she doesn't come. A friend of mine who is also a father of daughters, I, I, I called, called someone the C word. Yeah. And he said, are you sure you're allowed to say that? I mean, we are fathers of daughters. And, I, went, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, and I realised he was being really serious. serious. And I didn't really know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't use it at the doctor's. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going in for some medical reason with your family, that's yeah. not the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's so complicated, isn't it? Because it also implies there is a right answer to any of these things. It's mm. like there's not a right or wrong answer, but because you have daughters doesn't mean that I would. I, I need to ask my dad if that's the reason I've never heard him use the c word. <laughs> <laughs> if he'd had sons, it'd be all right. He'd be fine with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On that note, we've run out of time. <laughs> um, Nikesh, thank you so much. I really thought, I, I, as soon as I read this, I was like, this is going to be a good chat. We're going to be have a good chat. We're going to have yeah. a good chat about this. It's also the most we've ever texted about a book. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, have you got to that bit? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Did he just, did he do what? <laughs> yeah. So, and I, and I, I, I would recommend it. I still think I enjoyed the process. I would it's recommend a it. Oh, you wouldn't? No, because I think there are too f- people have too few times. Oh, to yeah, read, yeah, sure. And there are better books to read. But if you did, but if, if someone you, had read it, I would if talk you remember to it, it first time round, I, mm. I think that's quite interesting. It's worth revisiting. Yeah, I enjoyed the revisit because I think I read it at a completely different time in my yeah. life, and I'm glad I reread it now. And yeah, that men are not okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a really interesting passage in Claire Dedera's Monsters about Nabokov's Lolita, but about writers intentionally writing bad men, unlikable men, mm. problematic men. And I'm really glad I'd read that before reading High Fidelity yeah. because sometimes the flavour of not liking someone makes you think the author is a bad person who believes everything they've written down rather Mm. than someone who's masterful at creating something to show you something that's not very nice about people Mm. there we go Dr Nikesh thank you so much double double doctor 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 (laughs) (laughs) Nikesh Shukla thanks for having me thank you so much thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club next week's book guest is Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dederer. Sarah's novel Weirdo and my book, You Are Not Alone, are both available to buy now. And you can come to a live show. It's the 25th of January at Foils in London and we'll be celebrating and exploring Carriad's paperback launch of You Are Not Alone. And we've got some brilliant guests and we'll be talking crying and laughing and grieving <laughs> and grieving and talking about writing grieving we're going to be joined by joe caulfield and rick samada and it's going to be a lovely intimate chat about grief and the paperback of you are not alone coming out on the 1st of february so join us on the 25th of january and thank you for reading with us we, we like, like reading, reading with, with you, you. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, I, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.